Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. High drive, deep left field for Middlebrooks. Back, and that is gone. Third home run of the day for Will Middlebrooks. Follow at Wake and Rake Pod on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. I'm kind of a big deal. Here's Danny and Will. Episode 78, Wake and Rake Podcast, part of the Elite Network. Brooksy, a few days away, brother. Opening day, right around the corner, and we're going to continue our season previews. We got NL Central, American League Central, over under win totals today. What do you think about the Central Division? Better than most people think? Worse? I think I think they'll be more competitive than they were last year. I think, well, I think the AL Central for sure is more competitive. I don't, I think uh, the NL Central could be a little bit of a runaway. I do. I'll get to the details of that. But I think the AL Central will be really competitive between three teams. Because there's a stigma when it comes to the Central Divisions. All the attention go to the Eastern Divisions, American League and National League. Yeah. Same thing with the West Coast. Well, they, they, there's more talent, in my opinion. There's better teams. There's, there's a reason for that. I mean, I feel like it. I think both of the central divisions are very top heavy. I think the AL Central is less top heavy than it was. Um, and there's an opportunity for, we'll say, the White Sox if they get hot. Like, if everything goes right, I compare the White Sox, you said this kind of to the Red Sox. Yeah. Like, if everything goes right and a couple guys have outlier years and overperform, they could win the division. But everything's going to have to go right for that to happen. Um, but there's a couple teams I think that are a little bit better than them. I don't know. You played for the Red Sox on the East Coast. You played for the Padres on the West Coast. And then you had a cup of coffee with the Brewers in the Central. As a player, what was the media attention like? East Coast, West Coast versus the Midwest? Um, East Coast was way heavier. Yeah. I thought the competition was stiffer in the East when I was playing. Um, I mean, the Dodgers were really good when I was in San Diego. Um, and then when I was in the central, uh, the, the Brewers were down a little bit and it was kind of between the Cubs and the, and the Cardinals. What about but, media wise, like media attention, uh, critiques, stuff like that? It, it was just, it was way worse in the East. Really? I mean, Even- Boston is Boston's Boston. Like that, that media is tough. I'm part of that now. <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I'm not one of those guys out there crushing people, but that market kind of thrives off of negativity. And it's not that they enjoy that you play bad. But they, I think they kind of enjoy crushing you sometimes. It gets clicks. It does. And I think the fans sometimes enjoy, I mean, they want to win. Don't get me wrong. But I think there's something to like booing and, you know, yelling whatever you want at the players. It's just kind of part of being a fan of a big market team, I feel like. Yeah, I go through those moral dilemmas all the time, like as a a person trying to break into the media industry because I feel like the easy route is hot takes and, and I always players and you, and you keep me in check and as you should. I'll just text you and be like, Hey man, like I don't think that's a good look. Like, yeah. I don't think, I don't think the way for you to get where you want to go in baseball media is to be the hot take guy. Because I think I'm going to blow you up here for a sec. Not in a bad, no, in a good way, in a good way. Hit me. Give it to me. I think your knowledge of the game is beyond needing to be a hot take guy. 
you know the game well enough. You do enough homework. You know how to research. You know how the right things to look at to understand the game where you don't have to be a hot take guy to get clicks. You can just tell the truth and it's good enough. So that's why I get annoyed when you do stupid shit, which I understand why I understand why you do, because that's the the world we live in right now, social media and clicks and views. And that's where you get paid. That's where you get what you, where you need to go. I just think you're better than that. Well, now that I got my confidence boost for the day, now we can start <laughs> our episode and actually talk when over under wind totals. One more thing. Did that reminds me, did you hear what Dan Levitard said about Stephen A. Smith and first take? Did you see that beef? Levitard basically told Stephen A. He said, I hate what you've done to the media industry, what you and Skip Bayless did, because it's now a hot take industry. And now people try and replicate that. And I think they were both correct. Levitard made his point. And then Stephen A. basically said, look, I still use my journalistic principles here. It's not my fault that other people try and copy me. I think both can be right. You know what I mean? Well, people try to copy it because it works. Like, yeah, it makes money. Essentially, when you work for a network like that, you want people to watch the show. And if what you're doing is bringing people in, why would you stop? Yeah. Your job is to make people want to watch the show. It's to want to pull people in. Like when I'm calling a game, I want people to think, oh, Brooksy's in the box or in the booth tonight. So I love sitting down and watching it. I want you to feel like I'm on the couch with you watching the game and I'm telling stories about when I played against guys who I played against and might be on the field right now. And there's a, there's a mix between storytelling, humor, and then me teaching you something about the game. Like you can walk away with one thing every night that you didn't know about the game. Then, then I did my job. Yeah. Right. Like that's, like that. that's, that's what I have to do. And what he needs to do is get, bring people in the way he brings people in is the hot take stuff. Cause people yeah. love that. Whether they agree with it or not, they watch it. The people watch it to disagree with him. Yeah. I tune in sometimes because I'm like, what did he say? You know, like Russo, but this Yeah. Yeah. 100%. And that's just that's just where we're at right now. Yeah. Don't get me started on Russo and Bayless, man. We'd be here all day. All right, let's get into it. Win totals. Let's start in the American League. All right. We'll finish up. We'll do American League Central first, and then we'll finish up here on this episode with National League Central. As I mentioned, this entire week, we're doing over-under win totals. We're doing deep dives on each division. We already did American League East and National League East. We're now doing the Central Divisions. Later this week, we before opening day, we'll have our Western Divisions for American League National League. American League Central, the Cleveland Guardians, not the Indians. I actually nailed that, thank you very much, for the first time ever. Didn't mess up by saying the Indians. Guardians went 92 and 70 last year. They were first in the American League Central. They've won 91 games in five of their last six seasons, full seasons, not counting that 2020 year. Their over under win total is set at 86 and a half. Again, they won 92 last year. What do you think about Cleveland? Um, I got them over. I got them around. I'm going to go 88 wins. I'll go over just, and I'm leaning heavy on their pitching. And it's not just, I mean, if you look at their, their rotation, Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, Savali, Quantrill, Plesak is the fifth. If that's healthy, that's very solid, especially, I mean, it's top heavy with Bieber and McKenzie, but I think those are solid three, four, fives. And then plus a and, and Karen Jack, who's a psychopath uh, is fun to watch. He's going to struggle with the pitch clock though. Karen Jack. I think, Dude, these are pros. Like, I think they adapt and they're going to be okay. Yeah. Um, I 
kind of worry a little bit about like middle of their bullpen as far as like getting to the closers. Um, I don't think their offense is going to be like a juggernaut. I think they're going to be scrappy. I think the word is scrappy, but scrappy wins games. And it's something about Tito Francona too. He tends to get more out of his players and gets them to overperform. Josh Bell is a big ad. I think uh, Stephen Kwan maybe, you know, digresses a little bit, like takes a step back. Probably it's like 275-ish. I don't think he's going to be like a 300 hitter. I know his contact stuff's good. I just – I think he takes a step back, sophomore slump, if you want to call it. Uh, but just looking at their lineup, I don't I don't love their lineup. I don't think they're going to shock the world and score a ton of runs. It's just one of those teams I feel like they're going to win a lot of games like four to two, you know, uh, five to three, games like that. Close games, they're not going to score a ton of runs. But with Tito's teams, they just find ways to win. And I do think the division is better, but there's also less division games, as we talked about in our last pod. Only 52 division games instead of 76. So you're playing each of those teams 13 times instead of 19. Yeah. And I think that plays into their success. So you have Cleveland winning the American League Central? Yes. Yeah, last year, they were 15th in runs scored. So they're very middle of the pack when it comes to offensive uh, yeah. offensive numbers and production. The rotation's very uh, – a key point here is they're mostly all homegrown. So Bieber, McKenzie, Quantrill they actually acquired from San Diego when he was still a bullpen arm. Homegrown is cool, but it like means absolutely nothing when it comes to success or failure. Sure. Yeah, that's a good point. It's fair. Same with Class A. They acquired Class A in a trade with Texas? Texas. Yep. When he was still a minor leaguer. Correct. There's something respectable about doing it yourself. I, I root for teams with spending money. I'm not, I, I, I hate doing this because we always critique teams with low payrolls at the start of the season. Oh, and in come playoff time. To your point. They have 25 homegrown players on their 40-man roster. That's wow. way more than a lot of teams. Most yeah. teams are like 10 to 15. Yeah. I think the addition of Mike Zunino could help that pitching set, too. He's, you know, he's, he's good. Yeah, he's, back there and he's good for like 15 to 20 homers, too. Yeah. I also have him over. I do not have them winning the division, though, because I had the Minnesota Twins winning the division this year. Why don't you just go right into the Twins and talk about the Twins, then? Yeah, their their win total set at 84 and a half. I had them at 91. I had the Guardians at 90. I think it's going to come down to the final game of the year. It's going to be an absolute fight to the finish between Cleveland and Minnesota. Minnesota had a really strong offseason. A lot of activity. Joey yeah. Gallo, they re-signed Carlos Correa. They brought in Christian Vasquez, Michael Taylor, Donovan Solano. They brought over Farmer from uh, Cincinnati. They traded for Pablo Lopez from Miami. They lost Luis Arias, who was the batting champ in the American League last year. They lost Gary Sanchez, Gio Urshela. But now you also have Kenta Maeda coming back from his injury. So Minnesota is really interesting. They finished the season last year 78-84. and 84. Now they're putting the win total at 84.5. I'm hitting the over, and I think they win the, the division. I like the over, too. I could 100% see them winning the division. I have the, have the Guardians at 88, and I have the Twins at 87. So... We both had them super close, so we agree yeah. in that. Um, it's going to come down to health. I, I I do love the Twins rotation. Pablo Lopez, like you said, is huge. I saw Sonny Gray throw against the Red Sox yesterday, and he was lights out. He's really good. He's a high spin guy, and you know once he started figuring out where to throw in the zone, like he stopped trying to throw down in the zone and using his spin like up because he's like 93, 92, 94. He's not going to blow you away, but he's like ninety eighth percentile in fastball spin. Mm -hmm. And he's like 90th percentile in curveball spin. It, he has that big curveball that's filthy. 
Um, so he learned how to pitch at the top of the zone and then break the curveball off of that. And it's had a lot of success. Joe Ryan, another guy who's like got a weird like uh, attack angle, kind of like Scherzer, who's off to the side. So he creates a really good angle with his fastball, high spin as well. Um, Kinsa Maeda is going to be an X factor there for sure at, at fifth in their rotation. But back into their bullpen, they have two closers essentially with Jorge Lopez they got from uh, Baltimore last year. Yeah. And then is it Joan Duran? How do you say his first name? Juan Duran. Juan Duran. Took a lot of practice to get that one down. Juan. I'll just stick with Duran. Duran Duran. Duran Duran. I saw him pitching against the Red Sox as well yesterday. And let me just say, filthy doesn't even begin to describe. It looked like a grown man pitching against middle schoolers. Now, he was pitching it. It was minor leaguers. A lot of the big leaguers were out of the game at that point. Uh, Most of the guys played six, seven innings. He pitched in the eighth. So, but he was, his fastball was one, 100, 101 every time he threw it. And this is, I mean, we're, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's time to go. Like he should be ramped up by now, but he threw a, his splitter, which I call a splinker because it's more mm-hmm. of a split sinker. It's, it was 96 to 98, his splitter. So now kind of like the guardians, I do worry about that bridge between the closers and uh, the starters and the closers getting mm-hmm. to that point where there could be some issues. They, they, I, they just I need to see them be I need to see them work and, and prove that they can do it but um, I love their pitching their uh their lineup it's like what are you gonna get out of Correa is Correa gonna be a superstar probably if he stays healthy if he stays healthy which I, I think he can man honestly yeah. I'm pulling up their lineup right now I want to like look at their lineup the lineup's good if Buxton can stay in there Buxton's expected to start as a well, this season as a designated hitter is what they're that's saying. what I'm getting at like bucks but, but like how long are we going to continue to say well yeah. if he's healthy well we do that every year and then he's not yeah Last year he was relatively healthy and we got to see like he's a special special player all right so really I still don't know if Joey Gallo is your leadoff guy but right now he's tabbed in on Fangraphs Joey Gallo College Correa Byron Buxton Max Kepler had a down year last year he needs to bounce back let's see Christian Vasquez is in there Michael A. Taylor they're off they're they're they're, they're okay I think they have some upside. I think they're just going to be in that 12 to 15th ranked offense range. But um, I think their pitching will carry them and keep them relevant in, in the division. Defensive runs save leaders among all MLB outfielders since 2020. Number one, Michael A. Taylor with 38 defensive runs saved. Number two is Joey Gallo, 32 DRS. And third is Byron Buxton, 29 DRS. So they have, since 2020, the top three guys defensively in the outfield all on the same roster. I think defensively they're going to be sound as long as they can stay healthy. Byron Buxton could legitimately win an MVP this year if he could stay healthy. It's the same conversation every year, you know? Yeah, I just, I'm not putting any stock in that because I haven't, I've yet to see it. I've yeah, yet to see him play more than, what, 100? Has he played? He's only played 100 games once in his career, I believe. Yeah, that's right. So it's like, I'm, I, I'm not going to keep saying, well, if he does this, like, I don't think he's going to do it. Like, I just don't, I, I hope he does for the good of the game and their team. And uh, re- I mean, really the good of the game, just to have another superstar because the tools are there. He's just oozing talent, but I have, I can't put any stock in that. Tyler Malley is interesting because he's one of those guys that has a really high spin rate too. And they yeah. got him over from Cincinnati. He never quite it's- figured it out in Cincinnati. A lot of that, I think, was because the ballpark he was playing in. In the ballpark, yes, but I feel like he also got a lot out of himself because Derek Johnson, their pitching coach, he came up in Vanderbilt. He yeah. was at uh, in Milwaukee for a while when I was there. 
uh, and then went to Cincy. But he is very good at getting a lot out of his guys. So I feel like he probably learned a lot from Derek Johnson. Maybe it just took time for him to ingrain it and really put it into his game. But I don't know. Ballpark could play into that. Especially especially if, like, he's a spin guy, that probably means he's a fly ball guy, and fly balls leave that ballpark. I think they have more depth than Cleveland. That's why I'm picking them. I, I think their depth is going to prove That's fair. A huge dividends for them. I like their offense better than Cleveland. I just think Cleveland's pitching is better, in my opinion. Like, all around. No, I think this next team, we could both argue, could win a division. They could probably finish in last place, too. We don't know what the hell to do. I don't know what we saw last sauce. year. Yeah, the White Sox. I mean, I had them in the year, World Series last year. The division, and they they yeah they won eighty one games. I had them as my preseason World Series. Uh, right. I don't think I had them winning. I want to say I had them losing to someone, but regardless, they finished eighty one and eighty one. They were middle of the road in just about every category possible. They were the definition of mid, as the kids like to say. Yeah. Their over under win total this year is set at eighty three and a half. They added Andrew Benintendi and Mike Clevenger. They lost their former MVP and Jose Abreu. And unfortunately, Liam Hendricks is going to be sidelined after he was diagnosed with Hodgkin's lymphoma. What do you think about Chicago? This is a tough one for me. It's kind of a coin flip. I'm going to go over, but barely. I'm going to go 84. I think these top three teams are really competitive. So I have the Guardians at 88, I have the Twins at 87, and I have the White Sox. I'm going to say 84. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like their I like their rotation. I think Dylan Cease is in the mix for AL Cy Young. I think Lance Lynn is still very good. That like bulldog mentality goes out there and still like pitches a lot of innings and is reliable. I know he's going to miss a start here and there with injury, but if he can stay relatively healthy, he'll be really good. Lucas Giolito, obviously high ceiling. Does he figure it out again? Mike Clevenger is a really good add. Um, and then Michael Kopech has all the ability in the world. It's another health thing with him. He's a flamethrower. He's got good stuff. He's kind of been bounced between the bullpen and the rotation in the past few years, but now they're saying, you're a starter, prepare as a starter, we're going to leave you there, and I think that'll help them out a lot, just having a defined role. Um, looking at their bullpen, I just really don't believe in their bullpen without Hendricks. Yeah. You know, I, I hate to say that. I, Kendall Graveman's good, but, like, is he a closer? I don't think so. Bummer's back. He throws gaff, but, like, Joe Kelly's there. Jake Diekman, like Diekman has good stuff when he's on. He's either really on or really off. I saw it in Boston with him last year. When he's on, he's unhittable. Uh, when he's off, he can't throw strikes because he has an unorthodox delivery where he steps across his body, he throws gas, but it's he can't repeat it. And uh, if he gets in those modes, then he's just not going to get anybody out. So I do worry about their bullpen without Liam Hendricks being able to close the door there. Kendall Graveman could be that guy. I don't necessarily think he is. Um, what about Garrett Crochet? Clubs. He's not on their list of bullpen right now. So he's going back from Tommy John. They're ex- hoping. Right. He had Tommy John of April of last season. So he, he's probably going to be like July. They're sent, they're hoping like best case scenarios. He's, he's throwing off a mountain in May. That's what they're saying. Yeah, but that there's still a progression there. Sure. I would say in the big leagues in July. But um, he's nasty though. He is nasty, but you also don't know what you're going to get post-TJ. I think their offense is still really good. I mean, Tim Anderson could still win a batting title. Luis Roberts, really good. I think Eloy Jimenez could end up being an MVP discussions. Possibly. He's going to hit 30-plus homers. He's going to hit 270, 275 with 30 homers and probably drive in 90. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what do you get out of Yael Moncada? I mean, this yeah, guy's that's a big question. You know, he's going to be 28 years old. He's kind of, he's got five years, almost six years in the, this will be his sixth year in the big leagues. It's kind of time for him to take that step forward. Um, I thought adding Elvis Andrus was good for them. He'll, he'll hit nine hole and play second base for them, but he's more of like a leadership guy for the younger players, uh, both American and Latin. So um, I like their team. It's one of those things like they could win the division or they could be last. Like I really don't have a good feel for this team, but I will go over, I'll say like 84 wins. Yeah, I like the team on paper, but I like the team on paper last year. I, they were arguably the most disappointing team in baseball last year. And so I hate putting my money on a team like that the year after that. But I think everything went wrong with them last year. Eloy Jimenez was down with his injury. He had that he had that fly ball attempt or catch attempt in the outfield, and he ended up doing something with his hamstring, I think it was. Then he was down. Luis Robert was limited to, I think, 100 games last year. Um, Yohan Moncada hit a buck 90 last year. I, I, he's a better player than that. Um, I think Andrew Vaughn should promise last year. Yasmani Grandel was atrocious last year. Giolito was atrocious last year. I think everything went wrong. I really like the change at the managerial position too. Tony La Russa is out. Pedro Grifal is in. A newer energy, a younger guy at the helm. I kind of like that. I kind of yeah. want to see what this team does with a younger voice in the room. I'm hitting the over for sure. I had the White Sox definitely in contention for a playoff spot. I think they could even compete with the Guardians and the Twins for the division if everything goes right. They had that talent. Fair. Detroit, sixty-six and ninety-six last year. Tigers have been an absolute dumpster fire in the American League Central. To put it bleakly, over the past nearly decade at this point, I, they're waiting for Miguel Cabrera's contract to just end because that is handcuffing him. Let's you know, let's call a spade a spade. Miggy's a first-time, or excuse me, a first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest hitters we've ever seen. You could probably make the argument he's. The best right-handed hitter of all time, at least one of. Yeah. Unfortunately, his contract and where he's at with his career right now, Detroit can't do much with them, not with that payroll. They're I mean, over he's under. Gonna a, he's going to be a bench player for them. Yeah, and their win total set at 68 and a half. Last year, they were last in all of baseball in long balls. Maybe a uh, sliver of light for them is they're actually leading, or excuse me, they're second in Major League Baseball in homers this spring. Well, Comerica is also a graveyard. Yeah. I remember Luke Voigt hit a ball 420 last year, and it stayed in the yard. It was a double. And I'm like, yeah. if you hit a ball 420, you well, burn yourself. A, 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 you a have rack. that, and then you have a couple of months of more cold than a lot of people, too. The, mm -hmm. the cold weather. You know, the beginning of the season, and, and then in April, and then in September, that's going to hurt your the ball flying, too. So They were disappointing, too. Remember, they won 77 games two years ago, and everyone, and then they got Javi Baez, and they brought over Tucker Barnhart, and they're like, oh, like... They brought in A.J. Hinch. It's like, this team could actually, like, come out of nowhere and maybe even sink in somewhere, and then they yeah. won 66 games and was pretty disappointing. Well, they also got rid of Gregory Soto, who was very good in their bullpen. Yep. Um, where did he go? Philly. Philly, right. Yeah, Philly, Jesus. And then um, I thought... Um, What's his name? Tyrek Skubal got hurt. Tyrek Skubal, yeah. He had, uh, was it Tyrek? Tyrek, Tyrek Skubal, Seattle Tarek University Skubal. zone. Yeah, he, he's nasty. I loved watching him pitch, but he had flexor tendon surgery in August, maybe? I'm looking mm -hmm. it up. looking it up right now. I get that right. Skubal. Yeah, August 17th. Nailed that. Um, remember Eduardo Rodriguez, like, remember Eduardo Rodriguez, like, just fell off the map for a little while and, like, wasn't 
supposedly reportedly wasn't reporting to the team or something like that. Yeah, there were personal issues. I'm pretty sure it was like some marital issues that were going on. Mm. Um, and then he came back. But uh, their bullpen is trash. Rotation's their, trash, too. Their bullpen's trash. I think Eddie Rodriguez could be – I think Eddie Rodriguez would be the only guy with under a four ERA, in my opinion. And even that's like – I think he'll I think he'll be healthy. I think he'll start like 27 to 30 games. I think he'll probably log 160 innings. Um, he'll strike out 150 guys. He's got good stuff, but like one guy, that's like one every five days. Like, what are you going to get from Matthew Boyd, Matt Manning, uh, Turnbull? Like, what are you going to get from those guys? Like a four and a half ERA, which isn't terrible. Like that's three runs in six innings, but then you turn that over to a bullpen who is like not good. And they were putting all their marbles into the Casey Mize basket as they should Former right. number one overall pick. He had TJ this last June, so he's not he going to be back. You look at the projections of their bullpen and like there's only two guys under a four and that's in a bullpen. You need to have a couple guys like low threes, maybe high twos. It's just not a good, you know, projection wise. So um, I think the number 66 and a half is, or excuse me, 68 and a half. Yeah, that's a tough one for me. I'm uh, I'm going to say over. I'll go 69. Nice. I'll touch the under on that one. I, they won 66 last year. I don't see this roster as being any better than they were last year. So I'm hitting I mean, that. 69 wins is pretty terrible. It's pretty terrible. I just don't think they're even going to get that. I don't think they're going to get 66. I just, there's just parts of their lineup like I'd like. Like Riley yeah. Green. I, I, Riley Green I really like. Yeah. I think Javi Baez will hit 20 homers. Riley Green will hit 15 homers. Austin Meadows is a good player still. I think he can mm-hmm. hit 20 homers. Torkelson. Um, who's the leadoff guy? Is it? Badoo. I killed it. Badoo, yeah. Badoo, like he's we'll see. I, I I'm not sold on him. You know, he came up, he was hot, but um they don't really have anybody offensively that's gonna like really stand out. They got J- Jonathan Scope too. I forgot about that. Um he had a terrible year last year. He had a terrible year last year. He's probably gonna hit two fifty, but he's still uh, the ability to hit fifteen to twenty homers is still there. Yeah. So um, just because I, I think there's a little bit of upside to their offense, I'll, I'll go over, but just barely over. Don't you dare say the Wake and Rake podcast doesn't give love to our our shitty teams in the league because we give way too much attention to the bottom feeders. Detroit Tigers just got like 10 minutes on this episode. You're welcome, Detroit. The Royals are also set, uh, had their win total set at 68 and a half. They finished last season at 65 and 97. Interesting little factoid. They were 39 and 42 at home last year. So they were actually hovering around 500 at Kauffman Stadium last year, which is pretty solid for a young team like that. Hey, you know and what it, else you're going to like about Kansas City? Uh, what was it? The, the Guardians that had 25 homegrown players, and you're like, that's a ton. Mm-hmm. Kansas City has 24. Oh, wow. Okay. So your Bobby Witts and Pascotinos and uh, the fighting Zach Grankies, although he's he's homegrown technically. He's back. Uh, Millen- MJ Melendez. I mean, they're interesting. So I have them under, I don't think they're going to reach 68 and a half. I think the top three teams in the central white Sox, twins and guardians, as I mentioned, could be battling for it. They're all, all three of those teams. Like they're going to go balls to the wall. The last couple months of the season fighting for a playoff spot. They're going to beat up on these bottom two teams, the tigers and the Royals, which is why I don't think they're going to hit the over on 68 and a half. I think, they're developing. I think they're decent. I don't think they're terrible, but I, I think don't... they're decent. I just think they're underdeveloped at this point. Yeah. Bobby Wood Jr. is a stud. Salvador Perez is a stud. 
Melendez, as you mentioned, really showed a lot of promise too. I just don't think they have enough depth. Right. Um, I think the first four guys in their lineup are like gonna be pretty good. Like Bobby Witt, I think it's two sixty-five, but I twenty to twenty-five homers. But he's also gonna he's gonna be twenty homers and probably he can steal thirty bags too. Let's not forget about his ability to steal bags and the way the game has changed with the you know limited pickoffs and bigger bases and all that. MJ Melendez is probably a 240 hitter, but he can also hit 20 to 25 homers, a lot of pop in there. Salvador Perez is going to hit 30 homers. Like we don't talk about Salvador Perez very much, but he's very consistent, especially like power wise. He's, he's going to hit 260 with 25 to 30 homers. He's on a right? hall of fame trajectory. Salvador. Absolutely. Perez. Absolutely. And then you're, uh, you're a uh, fighting Italian Vinny. How do you say his last name? Vinny Pascantino. Pascantino. He's a fun follow on Twitter, too. I think he hit 20 pumps as well, but he's like a 275 hitter. I think he's legit. He's going to be their, like, four-hole hitter for a while. Um, so those guys hit. Uh, they're just not – I don't believe in their pitching. I mean, if Zach Grinke at this point in his career, you know, 19th year in the big leagues is your number one starter. Yeah. Jordan so he, Miles is – You're at under for 68 and a half. Man. I'm it's not hard, going. It's hard with the bottom. I'm not team. going any unders in this in this division. I think really? I'm going 70. I think Tigers finished last, and the Royals just beat them. Okay. All right. Let's move it over. National League Central. We're halfway through this episode. Again, Wake and Rake podcast. We are part of the Believe Network, and we give lots of love to bottom feeder teams. You're welcome. National League Central. St. Louis Cardinals. They went 93 and 69 last year. It's set at 88 and a half which I thought was a bit low for uh, a reigning NL Central Central champion, a team that got better, too. You bring in Wilson Contreras, now Yadi Molina, no longer in the fold. They got rid of Jose Quintana, Corey Dickerson. The real X factor for me, Jack Flaherty. As you can talk about their offense all you want, they have a ton of depth, especially because they're going to have Jordan Walker. He's getting promoted to the big leagues, too. That's even more depth for their lineup. Rotation-wise, Wayno's going to start on the I.L., Michael is, is very consistent, but not necessarily a dominant ace. Flaherty is their ace talent-wise. The problem is he hasn't been able to stay healthy the past few years. When he's healthy, I think he has more talent than anybody in that rotation. If Jack yeah. Flaherty can be an ace for this team... Flaherty is a major X factor for that team. Yeah. I, I Sky's the limit for the Cardinals if Jack Flaherty can stay healthy. I'm hitting the over for sure. They went ninety. They won 93 games last year. I think they hit... I think they could win 98 games this year. I'm pounding the over. I got him at 94 wins. Yeah. Uh, I think Newt Barr has, is going to – the WBC not only pumped him up, like, through social media, but I think in his own head gave him confidence, and we'll see a really good season out of him. I think he learned a lot from that Japanese team. Obviously, Goldsmith and Arnado are going to be in MVP tops, talks again. I love the Wilson Contreras ad. I think having a catcher that can catch and throw and has a cannon and likes to backpick who can control the run game since the run game is going to be – uh, a lot more important this year for teams. Um, and then Jordan Walker, I think, wins NL Rookie of the Year. That's really? my pick. Yeah, I really yeah. like him. I think he's going to bang. Um, you kind of went through the pitching. I think another guy that you missed was Jordan Montgomery. Yeah. Uh, who they got from the Yankees, who was actually very good when he came over last year for them. Um, but then their bullpen, they had two guys in Helsley and uh, Hicks, who throw 102. Uh, Gallegos and is it Payante? 
Piante throw a lot, are like really good setup guys as well. So this is just a complete team. They play defense. They play small ball. They, they hit behind runners. They bunt when they need to. It's kind of – they're kind of still the old school National League team, even though there is a DH now and then the game's different. But I just think this is a really well-rounded team and no one in the division, I, I, don't, I don't think anyone will compete with them. Is it bold to say the Cardinals are the best organization in the entire league? organization yes they have one losing season since the turn of the century since 2000 one one losing season how many losing seasons have the yankees had zero compare you you think the yankees are a better organization than the cardinals just off the top of your head maybe well who do you know who's won the most world series since the turn of the century yankees have two the red sox have four Red Sox have five. That's true. You're right. Yan- the Giants have three. Someone else. So has- the Yankees have zero losing seasons since the turn of the century. That's impressive. I knew that. I just wanted you to look it up. That's pretty impressive. But St. Louis has a higher hill to climb on a year to year basis. You're not going to recruit not- people to St. Louis. Why? Higher hill to climb than the Yankees? You're comparing the AL East to the AL, AL or the NL Central right now. I mean, recruiting wise, getting for agents. It's not recruiting wise. Look at the competition. And, and before this year, you're playing 19 games against those teams in that division. Each team, 76 games. Every I'd player rather, wants to play. I'd rather be playing the NL Central. I'd rather be playing the Cubs, the Pirates, yeah. the Reds, yeah. the, and the Brewers than the Red Sox, Rays. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. They're a so pro team. just poo poo all over that point, but I think the Yankees have had a better organization. You can but, make the argument too that the Dodgers are right there too. I think Dodgers that and was Cardinals. My next point was I think the, the Cardinals are third. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's fair. Let's move over. Let's go up the, the Great Lakes region up to Milwaukee. Win total set at 86 and a half. They won 86 games last year. They went 86 and 76. The sports books are basically saying, will Milwaukee have? One more win this season than they did last season. They brought in William Contreras. Interesting that Wilson Contreras, you know, moved uh, over from Chicago over to St. Louis, and then William Contreras is now, you know, his brother is now in the NL Central Division with him. They also brought in Jesse Winker. They brought over Brian Anderson, who's a really underrated talent in in Miami, has been for a while. And then they just signed Luke Voigt, and then they optioned they DFA'd uh, uh, Keston Hira. Brought in Wade Miley, and then they lost Colton Wong. They lost Hunter Renfro, and then they lost Andrew McCutcheon. It kind of an active offseason. Very Milwaukee-esque, because they, they yeah. typically do those under-the-radar moves. I have them under. I yeah. think Milwaukee is a bad place as an organization right now. What they did with Josh Hader last year, trading him when they were in first place in the division, was a bad message sent to the clubhouse. I think... There's no chance they can afford Corbin Burns, so he's likely going to be on the trading block. I think Devin Williams has a chance to be on the trading block come trade deadline time. I think this organization is in a bad spot. I think they could win 80-plus games. I don't think they get to 86.5 or 80, 87 would the win. Yeah, I have them like around 581 or 82, so definitely under. They can pitch, but their offense sucks. Yeah. Like they, they were 10th in run scored last year, which is decent. They're 22nd in batting average. Uh, 
think it'll be worse. I mean, you lose Renfro, you lose McCutcheon, you lose Colton Wong. It's a lot of offense lacking there. Like you said, the vibes are just off after what's kind of what's gone down over the past six months in that organization. Uh, I think Corbin Burge will 100% be dealt at the deadline because they won't be in the mix. Uh, I think Devin Williams will be – is it a contract year for him as well? For Devin Williams, not quite yet. Okay, but he could still be in the mix to be traded depending on what they can get in return. Yeah, um, I'm, pull, I'm pulling up their contracts right now. Um, I think this team finishes third in the division. I'll say High in the Cubbies, huh? I think the Cubs are better than we think. I don't think they're like going to even contend with the Cardinals, but I just think the Brewers are bad. All right, for agent wise for the Brewers, they got Yelich signed for a lifetime to through twenty thirty. Devin Williams won't be a free agent until after the twenty twenty five season, so I might have got a little bit ahead of my skis there. Yeah, but I mean, if they get a good offer, yeah. You know. And then Corbin Burns is going to be a free agent after next season. So they traded Josh Hader one and a half years before he was going to be a free agent. Like you just mentioned, you want to get the most out of the trade. That's what Milwaukee does. They don't have a high payroll. Right. Yeah, I, I got him under. I, I think this team takes a step back. I don't, I said this to you before, wins and losses are not based on vibes, but I don't like the vibes happening in Milwaukee. I, I think there is a disconnect between front office and roster and uh players right now which is unfortunate because i really like their coaching staff yeah like with craig council um pat murphy jason lane like there's a lot of good guys over there i just don't feel like the players are good enough it's unfortunate i i know a few different people who work in the brewers organization oh it's a great organization their people are amazing The, the fans are amazing i played there for a couple months and the fans are just i mean the midwest are just some of the nicest people uh, ever so but Milwaukee fans are, are great everyone says that they're very New England Patriots-esque with the way that they go about their business from a communication standpoint the, the PR stuff but all of a sudden you make one you know questionable decision and the players are really upset now all of a sudden you have Devin Williams and a presser after Hader was traded saying I don't understand what's going on I don't like what's going on up top so you can be the Patriots all you want but once the players get you know they can only go get pushed so far before they get pushed over the edge. And I think they're yeah. getting pushed over the edge. It's a great segue. You mentioned the Cubbies. You think they're going to be better than expected? They had a very active offseason as well. Yeah, they're they did. I, uh, I mean, the number set at 76 and a half. I got them at like 84, but which is 10 games back of the Cardinals. That's what I, I think it's a runaway in this division by the Cardinals. I think the Cubs exceed expectations and win 84 games. Mm-hmm. I like the upside of the offense, you know, Nico Horner, they got Swanson from the Braves, uh, Ian Happ, Trey Mancini. I think Bellinger looks better this year than he had. You know, I feel like there's a little less pressure on him to be an MVP now that he's out of LA. I still don't think he's going to hit 30 homers. I think he's like 240 hitter. And if he has a really good year, can hit 20 homers because the ball absolutely flies there. Yeah. Um, And then Eric Hosmer too, is a guy who, who knows what can happen? He's going to hit like seventh in their lineup. He's probably going to hit 275. You look at the career numbers. He's still going to be that guy who can hit, spray the ball around the field. He's not going to hit for a ton of power, probably 10 to 15 homers, 15 being like the ceiling. Um, but I feel like that's a complete lineup with a really high ceiling if they if they play well. I just worry if they can pitch enough. You know, Stroman and Tayon, Tayon, Jameson Tayon, I can't say his name right. 
Jameson Tyon. 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 It doesn't sound right to me. But anyways, we know who I'm talking about. Uh, Steele, Smiley. I don't really know much about Wisniewski. Um, yeah, I don't know that but I feel like the first three guys there, Smiley can be good as a four guy. He's just yeah. hot and cold. Um, I really don't know much about their bullpen. I'm looking at the, up at their up their bullpen right now. They have uh, Michael Fulmer is going to be their closer. Actually, Brad Boxberger, who came over from Milwaukee, is a uh, also a closer. Um, and then I don't really know anyone else they have uh, in their bullpen. There's a bunch of guys I I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Julian Mayweather, Merriweather. He was where was he? He was in Toronto, I believe, or Cleveland. I don't know shit about their bullpen. Merriweather was with he, yeah. There's a bunch of guys you don't know. I think he was in yeah. uh, Toronto, but um, they have some guys. But I think their offense is going to be a lot better than people think, and that's what will kind of carry them over that win total. Bellinger's launch angle when he won MVP back in 2018, it was a career low 16.2. It went up in 2021 to 22.2. That's a six degree difference. That's significant to me. Like, like Bellinger's trying to launch, and maybe he tried launching way too much. And last year in 2022, it was at 20.3 was his average launch angle. I would love to get Belly back, the, the belly that we all fell in love with when he won MVP back in 2018. He looks like tinkers with his swing and his stance a like lot. so much. It's like he doesn't give each adjustment time to like set in yeah. before he's on to the next change. Dan's I've, been, I've been there, man. I've been there when you're like, and I mean, I never won an MVP, but I had a couple of good seasons and then I was like struggling or like injury. Like he had the shoulder thing. Remember the high five, he dislocated his shoulder and he ended up having surgery on it. Maybe that's part of it, you know, and he, he had to make changes to his swing to like not hurt which I've been through. I don't know if that's the case with him, but it kind of sounds like it with a shoulder. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting story. I'm curious to see how he plays at Wrigley. Yeah, I think the Cubs are going to be better than 76 wins, though. 76 yeah. and a half is what the total is at. They won 74 last year. They were a pretty bad team last year. They still managed to get 74. I think the additions that they make with Dansby at shortstop, uh, we talked about Bellinger. Even if Bellinger is not MVP Bellinger, I think they – are definitely valued at more than two wins, which is what they would need to, you know, get to 76. So I'm hitting the over. Pittsburgh's interesting. You got some young talent. They have no pitching whatsoever, really, frankly speaking. But you bring in Andrew McCutcheon. He makes his return to Pittsburgh. You got Carlos Santana, G-Man Choi, Austin Hedges, Rich Hill joining the rotation. Their lineup's kind of sneaky with O'Neill Cruz, the stud that he is. Brian Reynolds are trying reportedly to extend him. And then you bring in Kutchin, and then you got Brian Hayes, which I know you love. I do like him a lot. What are you saying? What do you got? 67 and a half. I'm going to hit the over. I think offensively, they're a lot, big time improvement over what they were last year. I think O'Neill Cruz is going to be a stud. I think Brian Hayes makes adjustments at the plate, and he's able to kind of find himself with the dish. I'm hitting the over. I have him winning about 69, 70 games. I'm right there with you. Totally agree. I like him a little bit over. I think there's a lot of upside in their offense. I think having a guy like Santana, having Andrew McCutcheon, um, these are guys that will be great to learn from for these young players. I think Brian Hayes, he was one of our one of my uh, breakout players for this year. He was a he was a launch angle guy who's opposite of 
uh, Bellinger, who was, hits the ball down too much. And, you know, mm-hmm. if he makes that adjustment at this point in his career, because he le- he led the league in, like, a lot of hard hit rates and exit belows, he just, his launch angle was down. So they were, like, line outs or hard ground balls instead of lifting the ball, hitting in the gap, or leaving the ballpark. So I think he ends up, by the end of the year, in the three-hole. Like Carlos Santana is going to get on at a, at a high rate. O'Neill Cruz is a stud. I don't really expect much from McCutcheons. I think maybe he can hit 15 homers, but I think he's like a 230, 240 guy at this point in his career. He's more of like a coach player, you know? So guy more of a swan song guy. type situation. Yeah, and then Rich Hill, kind of the same thing with the pitching staff. You know, he's 43 years old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's, he was in Boston last year and, and still pitched well. Um. I wouldn't expect much better than a four and a half ERA from him, but I think he makes 20 to 25 starts, logs 120 innings. Like he'll eat some innings up uh, and get outs, but his main purpose there is just to coach these young guys. Cincinnati Reds, last but not least, they went 62 and 100 last year. They're over under win total is set at 65 and a half. They started the season three and 22, which is. How do you go three and twenty-two? That bad. Uh, they wound up going fifty-nine and seventy-eight after that three and twenty-two start. Still not good, but better than what they started at. They actually went fourteen and thirteen in May, and they went fourteen and twelve in July. So they actually showed a little bit of promise for two months there. They had two winning months, which is more than a lot of these other losing teams. Still not a great team. They brought in Will Myers, Kevin Newman. They brought back Kirk Casale for behind the dish. Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo actually were top five in strikeouts per nine as rookies all time in their rookie season. So Hunter Green and Lodolo, they're going to try and build around those guys in rotation. 65 and a half. I'm going to go over because I like those two months that I mentioned with May and July. And I think that three and 22 start, I don't think they're going to repeat three and 22. You know, let's say they have six wins instead of three wins in those first 25 games. All of a sudden, now you're flirting with that 65 and a half win total. I think 65 and a half is pretty low. I, I have them hitting the over, but I don't have them, you know, competing for a playoff spot by any means. Under. You want under 65 and a half? I'm going to go like 64 and 98. All right. Two games better than last year. I just don't think they really made any improvements. Yeah. I think this is just an organization right now that winning is not a priority. So um, they do have some guys that I like, you know, looking at, I mean, Hunter Green is obviously a guy who's interesting to me. Um, I think he has a solid year. I think he could maybe have 200 strikeouts, but that's one guy, you know, it's like, yeah. I want to see what ends up happening with uh, Alexis Diaz at closer. If he can turn into like a guy, which he had some stuff in the uh, world baseball classic that I thought was pretty good. Um, Jonathan India is interesting to me, but outside of him, like a, I don't really see anything I like in their lineup. So um, I'm going to go under. They're similar to Detroit where they're just waiting for the Joey Votto contract to get off the books at this point. Yeah. I mean, yes, but like they have a lot of other issues. Yeah. Well, win totals for the central it's over with. You only have to listen to Brooksy's voice and my voice once or twice more times. And then we finally get baseball on our TVs. I think we're both in agreement. I'm tired of the spring training games. Over it. Dude, I, I get the whole wanting to go down. It's a good weather, having a, a hot dog and a beer at a game, and you like that vibe. But by the end of spring training, man, let's get on with it. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, I've been here for like 20 games. Like, <laughs> I want real baseball. I want starters in the game, the whole game. I want night games. I want to get out of the 91 degrees because it's hot down here right now. We uh, we didn't have to cover the game on Nesson today, so I went out and played golf and melted, but we had a great time. Who'd you play with? Uh, Jemiah Webster, our sideline reporter, and uh, Steve De Silva, one of our photogs. Mm, you keep their ass? Yes. Good. Love to hear it. Firmly. Everything about spring training is great except the actual game itself. That's my argument. You know what? This year actually wasn't that bad because there was like the new rules, sure. uh, the WBC. Like, so really, like, spring training wasn't too bad this year. I, I love the fan experience aspect. I love being able to be approachable with fans and I love everything about it, like the environment, but the not wanting to win a ball game. I hate that. Well, it's, it's practice, right? Like you get your innings in like pitchers are out there. They might look like shit, but it's because they're throwing the same pitch over and over again. Cause they're working right. on it. I'm not saying I want it to change. I'm just right. calling, you know, call, like that's just the reality of it. And it's yeah. just, I'm just personally not a fan of it. So I'm ready to move on. I'm ready for yeah. opening day. I think we're all ranked. The players are ready. You're ready for it. You're heading yeah. up to Boston. Um, we'll have NL West, American Lou West on the next episode. And we'll probably be picking our MVP picks, some Cy Young picks, a little season preview as well. Sound like a plan? I like that. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you, everybody, for joining the uh, Wake and Rake podcast, part of the Believe Network. We'll talk to you next time. Peace out. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.